Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is electing a bishop in the Oregon Synod. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook, and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzalo, and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so as a Catholic... This is all new to me because they were appointed. There was no election. Sure. You were just told. Yeah, totally. It would be a completely different pathway. Yeah. So that said, who gets to do this? Who gets to vote? It's a big process, but it's a process that can happen very swiftly because when and how this happens is all at the Senate Assembly. Okay. And we've talked about Senate Assembly before. Mm -hmm. So if you're curious and can't remember mostly like me, go back and listen to that podcast. (laughs) Sure thing. And just for folks who might be joining us who are not a part of this denomination, quick, super fast rundown. Mm -hmm. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, our denomination, breaks down the kind of running and structure of the overarching church into regions. And then from the region down to local synods, S-Y-N-O-D. And within those synods, There is a bishop that serves to oversee the work of that senate. Mm -hmm. In Oregon, that senate is the entire state. Mm -hmm. It is not that way in other places. Pennsylvania has like five or six different senates within it. I know Iowa has, I think, three. There you go. So depending upon how many congregations will be the geographic structure of the Senate, okay, Oregon just happens to be one senate. You see how it kind of Mm -hmm. geographically works. So within our synod, the way that we do this is that we have a bishop who serves for six years. And so every six years, the bishop comes up for election. Okay. Not re-election. Can be. Straight. Okay. The current bishop may stand for re-election. Okay. If they wish. But every six years, we vote on our bishop. Okay. That happens at the Senate Assembly for that year. Okay. Which is the three-day gathering where members from congregations and their rostered leaders, their pastors and deacons, attend and do the business and the work of the church. Okay. Oftentimes here in Oregon, those are three-day events. It starts on Friday. We end on Sunday. Okay. Happens in a big hotel. We move it around the state. To various locations. So not everybody has to travel every time. So not everybody has to travel every time, etc. The one coming up will be in 2019 in May over Mother's Day weekend. Okay. And it will be in Eugene. Oh, okay. So that is where the election will happen and when the election will happen and what it is is an election. But then there's a whole lot to that kind of a process. Right? Sure. But what I love about this year and how it's happening this year, and I've been present for a bishop's election here in the Oregon Senate, and a bishop's election in the Northwest Washington Senate. Okay. So I've been a part of two of them. The first one I was a part of down here, I was on the elections committee counting the ballots. So I got to see the behind the scenes that is a very different view. Yeah, it was really great. I was really grateful to be a part of that. It was a great opportunity. And up north, I was just one of the many folks that was voting as a voting member of the assembly. Okay. So a voting member of the assembly does not necessarily mean that everybody at every congregation gets to vote, correct? Nope, correct. Okay. So congregations have typically two lay members 
who go along with their rostered leader to the assembly as voting members of the assembly. They are not delegates. Okay. Which means they're not being sent to vote the will of the congregation. Oh, interesting. They are a voting member of the assembly. Okay, so you can go rogue. You can go rogue. Hmm. But the objective is that the assembly is two-thirds lay members and one-third rostered leaders. Okay, so you're still more or less getting the vote of the people. Exactly, and not just the vote of the clergy. How often does Synod Assembly happen again? Is every that year. Every year? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's an every year event. Is it one of those things where if it's a voting year for a bishop, you got more people in the congregation going, me, 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 pick Yes. Me. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. I kind of figured it would yep. be. And it's one of those pieces where you can also attend as a non-voting member of the assembly. Oh, anybody can come? Mm-hmm. If you want to pay the fee and you want to go hang out, you can go hang out. Interesting. And sit in the back. There's like a section. And still get a ballot? Nope. No. No. But you'll see the ballot. Okay. You'll see it. Because there are reports, and it goes up on the screen, and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's fascinating. So the way that it works, then, is that we have what is called the ecclesial ballot. Okay, that's a fancy term. It is a big fancy term. So it means that when the Senate Assembly opens during the beginning of the Assembly or at some point the first day— the ballot for nominations officially opens. So no one can be nominated for bishop before the assembly begins. Okay. So it happens at the beginning, and you can nominate any rostered leader in the ELCA. Okay. I believe it's any rostered leader of word and sacrament. So pastors versus word and service are deacons. So any word and sacrament rostered leader in the ELCA is eligible for nomination. Do you want to be nominated always? Who nominates you? I have no idea. I mean, I've nominated someone before. Okay. They pulled their name right away. (laughs) But I nominated someone. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So what happens is... I'm guessing this is not like a, we need somebody, let's just throw Joe's name in the hat kind of thing. You have an idea if you're going to be nominated and if you want the job, people know it. I don't know. Really? I mean, I think... There's lots of different ways that it goes, I think. Okay. It's the one thing I want to say. The ecclesial ballot, a lot of people talk about how it's outdated or it's too in the air because then you don't get a lot of information ahead of time Mm. Mm -hmm. and that kind of a piece. And so people get frustrated with it. And I will say that it's a powerful thing to watch happen Mm. because you open nominations on Friday and by Sunday, the new bishop's elected. (laughs) This is not dragging it out for six months. No, like it's done in three days. There is something very appealing about that. And it can be done in one ballot. Oh, sure. I suppose if there's a huge consensus. Yeah. Do re-elections tend to go that way? Incumbents oftentimes have the benefit that on the first ballot, perhaps they receive the number of votes necessary to have received the position. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it's not a given. Okay. Right. It is an open spirit-led election every time. And that's fascinating. It really is. So this year, the Oregon Senate has been really intentional. I just want to lift up how awesome that is. I think it's been beautiful to watch the work. I've been watching over years as this has been happening. And I want to commend the Senate Council, which are the kind of like the council who run the Senate, And for even thinking to make this happen in the missions table, Mm -hmm. who have done the hard work 
And then the Bishop's Election Task Force, who've been so intentional in their work. It's been absolutely amazing. And commending Bishop Dave for allowing this really deep work to be done because it throws things in the air. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful. It's been very, very, very cool to watch. So what has happened is like two years ago, we were aware that the election was coming and Dave let it be known that he and the vice president, which is the kind of the lay leader of the Senate, okay, that they were both eligible for election this six-year mark and that they were pondering whether or not they were willing to stand for re-election. Mm-hmm. And so they instigated with the Senate Council this kind of mission table work around let's do what is called a mission site profile for the Senate. So every congregation who's in a call process does this. Okay. Where they have to go through this process of listening to each other and assessing strengths and weaknesses and what are the top values that we want in a leader and what kind of traits and qualities do we want in a leader. And congregations fill out these 15, 20 pages of data And then clergy fill out their, like, 15, 20 pages of data, and then you see what matches up. Sure. As far as traits and qualities, not necessarily, like, that person's cool and they bought me a beer once. (laughs) But Uh, that's, yeah, (laughs) right? Better criteria for it works. Very different way. And it's not to say that the spirit has not been very active in past bishops' elections, because I've been present and I've watched it, and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And I'm excited because what this work has done, the Senate really took it seriously and did a huge listening season. We did over 580 interviews of lay members across our entire state. Wow. One-to-one interviews and listened and heard and assessed the health and the vitality of the congregations willing to participate. And they did amazing things to come back and create a mission site profile for the Senate. And in the past, what happens is everybody gets to the assembly and a whole bunch of names are thrown up of pastors Mm -hmm. are thrown up. And then the lay members, the members of the congregations look at their pastors and they don't know anyone really on the list except maybe the previous bishop or maybe another one that they no, saw once. this sounds once. like the first time I went to vote and it was all these judges and whatnot that I had no, no idea. idea. Right? And so what do you do? You look to your pastor who knows uh-huh. these people. And hope that they have a good idea. And then the pastor, fully human, <laughs> knowing that this individual is the person who like... When everything hits the fan, this is the person you go to, Uh or this is the person that your members go to, right? Uh So this is kind of like our boss, Uh our supervisor, when everything's really low and bad. And so being human, look at the names, and like the members are looking at you, and you're like, "Eh, maybe no. Oh, maybe no. Oh, okay. Right? It gives a weight to the rostered leaders that is unfair to the lay voice. Does that make sense? Because they don't have enough information. Because they don't have enough information and because they don't know what are we even looking for? What does a bishop even do? Like how many members in the pews even know what a bishop really does? And if you're going to trust the democratic process, 
there has been that listening session that happened at the church to call the pastor in the first place, right? Totally. If you trust the process. Absolutely. But how pastors function in each congregation is vastly different. Yep, yep. And the traits and the qualities that we all have are vastly different. My gifts and skills might be in this area, and thanks be to God that someone else has the gifts and skills that I sincerely lack. But depending upon what you're looking for in a bishop, you might want to know what the gifts and skills of the people are. Okay, but this is just the first ballot, right? You're just weeding out some names. But eventually it keeps on going. Okay. I mean, the ballot keeps going. And you're never given any more information? You are. During the assembly, there are opportunities. There's opportunities to ask questions. There's opportunities to have conversations. There are speeches. All that kind of stuff happens throughout the assembly. But what I think has been really great about the process this time is that with this mission site profile, that will become public. It was just given at the bishop's convocation to the rostered leaders of the Senate. Okay. Along with a profile, a way of introducing it and taking it out to congregations so that congregations can be informed of this incredible work that has been done. And so that members who might be considering attending assembly will then have the opportunity to study this mission site profile to say, oh, what our Senate needs right now, Mm. what I think our Senate needs right now is X, Y, Z. These are the qualities and the traits and the capacities and the visioning and the style that I think are going to serve our Senate in these next six years, right? Because you're looking at the next six years. Mm -hmm. What are we looking for for the next six years in our leadership? And then... When they show up at assembly, they're going to have that information to be able to listen to the candidates as they speak and to hear them and to pray alongside of them. And I think it's just an amazing and incredible addition to the entire process. So how many ballots are there? Is it a set number or does it depend on how the returns are for each one? It depends on how the returns are for each one. Okay. So the Senate Constitution gives clear guidelines as to how it rolls out and how much you need percentage-wise at whatever stage of ballot in order for someone to be elected. So say you have, and I'm shooting raw numbers and I don't remember the exacts and I'm not on the elections committee, so I don't have to have it completely right right now. But say if you have 200 people voting, then on the first ballot you need 175, you need like two-thirds or three-quarters of the votes for one candidate for the election to be called. Okay. And then there are instructions on how many names get dropped Okay. at each level of the ballot. Okay. And then there are specific instructions to ballot number four, and then that holds at ballot four for the remainder of the however, however many, there many may be after more that. there are after that. I think it goes at ballot four, you should be down to three candidates. And then you would go to two candidates. Has there ever been a midnight on Sunday? We still don't have the white smoke of the Pope? Not not that I'm aware of. When I was on the counting committee, Paul Swanson, who was the first and only other bishop in the Oregon Senate, we've Mm -hmm. only had two in our Senate. The ELCA is not as old as you think it is. Well, it hasn't as old as you think it is, and it's unique. Mm -hmm. Oregon doesn't have term limits. Oh. Terms are six years, but our bishops can serve as long as they keep getting elected. As long as they keep getting elected. Fascinating. Other synods set term limits. Mm -hmm. 
Oregon does not yet. Who knows whether or not that'll be changed. Sure. So Paul Swanson retired. So that election was very clearly open Mm -hmm. for a new individual. And by the ballot with three people on it, there was some high pressure. My hands were shaken as I was putting ballots down on the table. I mean, there was a lot of high pressure stakes up at that election. It was pretty astonishing. It was impressive to be a part of. That's fascinating. So the other thing that they're doing this time that is different is that with this mission site profile going out and being Mm -hmm. made public and available, they are also allowing for names for consideration to be lifted up ahead of time. Mm. Not nominations. Okay. Because that only happens at the assembly. But there's still a small bit of a heads up. But they're allowing for names for consideration. And with that, when someone's name has been placed for consideration, they will then receive a set of standardized questions to respond to an answer and send back to the Bishop's Election Task Force. And then close to assembly, not in like December, Uh (laughs) not in January, but close to assembly, that information will be made available. I don't know if that information will be available only to voting members of the assembly, because Mm. by that point, they should have been elected by congregations. Okay. Because we're supposed to elect our Senate Assembly participants at our annual meetings at the beginning of the year. Okay. So I don't know if it'll only be to voting members of the assembly or if it'll be made public to the entire Senate. But the responses from those names for consideration will be made available to read ahead of time as people prepare for the assembly. And then should those names be nominated at the opening ecclesial ballot, then people would have additional information on those particular candidates whose names have been raised for consideration. So that's new for the Oregon Senate. Other senates do it. Mm -hmm. The shared wisdom is not to release the names way in advance because then campaigning begins. Sure. But it's a new process that they're going to try out this year. And I'm fascinated to see how that works and how that goes. Mm -hmm. I haven't been a part of a Senate that has done that yet. So a new part of the process. Mm -hmm. All right. This is going to lead me to my last question. How can a church member get involved in this if you want to? I'm assuming there are more things you can do other than just being the voting member that gets to go to assembly that time. Sure. So a couple of things that I think would be really advantageous for all of our membership. So one is to be involved in conversations happening at your local congregational level. Our congregations were all a part of this big listening season to create the mission site profile. Mm -hmm. And the Senate is going to be following up on that work in local regional gatherings at the beginning of this next year. Okay. And so members should keep their ears open and attend those regional gatherings. (laughs) You mean actually do some action? Actually do an action. Okay. Show up for that regional gathering and learn what was learned about your congregation. Our congregation has taken a big, long look. Four months ago, we took all of that data that we received from that, and it has deeply impacted our council's conversations, and it will deeply impact the trajectory of our work for the next five years. Oh, that's fascinating. And so I strongly commend to people to show up and participate in the regional gatherings that are coming up at the beginning of the year as a part of this work. Watch for that mission site profile to go live and be available. Raise a name for consideration. 
If you know a rostered leader, a pastor in the ELCA that you think fits the skills and the traits and the capacities that are being called for out of that mission site profile, then raise their name for consideration. Give them the opportunity to answer the questions and see what comes of it, see what the Spirit does from that. If you can or are interested in stepping forward to attend assembly as a voting member, you can do that. Each congregation has a male and a female delegate. Congregations with more larger members have more than two delegates. Voting members, Mm got to keep that language right. And also, if you know someone who is a member who is a person of color, English is their second language, they are LGBTQIA, or they are under 30 Mm -hmm. and confirmed, Mm -hmm. they can be additional voting members of the assembly in order to create more diversity within the voting body. And so congregations can send more than their two voting members. They can also send those folks in addition. They have to pay for them, but not for the actual assembly, but for the food and lodging for them. Sure. So encourage diverse members of the congregations to attend the assembly and have their voices heard and be participants. And I think pray. Holy moly. Like, sure. Pray for the people who are, whose names are raised for consideration. Pray for the election task force. Pray for our bishop as he continues to do his call and live out his call among us. And that's Bishop Dave. Pray for discernment and wisdom on the part of the assembly. Just hold it in holiness and trust whomever receives the call is the person that God is calling into that. And that may be Bishop Dave for another six years. It may be someone new. We don't know. What's important is that we engage in this together and we take this as a holy time. So that's what I have to say about it. If you're really interested in looking at the mission site profile and you don't know how to read it, then talk to your pastor or talk to a pastor friend and say, hey, what what is this? What's mm-hmm. in this? And what does it mean? Help me unpack this. Mm-hmm. And you are always welcome to send an email to podcast at centralportland.org or right. pastor right? at centralportland.org. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And I will do my best to either defer you to someone much wiser than me. We have some connections to the Bishop Election Task Force here. One of our members is a part of that and uh, is very wise. And she has brilliant insights about the mission site profile. And I'd be happy to connect you. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the bishop's election in the Oregon Synod. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening to this. I hope it was somewhat intriguing. If you have questions or comments, you can write to us at our emails or leave a note on Facebook. You can also leave a review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. Until we are in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.